Scotty. Katie's introduced me there. Katie says it's Daddy's turn, so here we go. Yeah. Um, good to be with you all this morning. Good to worship. Thanks, David and, uh, and Judith for leading us so well. Yeah, we're we're continuing to go through uh, continuing to go through the Beatitudes. Hopefully, that comes as no surprise to you by now. Uh, we're in the week number five. Um, and uh, this week I've actually been thinking, uh, maybe it's going to sound like I'm contradicting myself, because I think the first week I said that there's no, I don't think there's necessarily an order to the Beatitudes. I think what we're dealing with here is just that it's not, it's not something that we are to do. This is an expression. This is what the kingdom looks like. It's a description of the kingdom. It's an illustration of the life of Jesus. And uh, not necessarily that this is hugely important, but it does feel to me that as I, as I looked at this fifth beatitude that we're going to look at today, that it does feel like there is a wee bit of a progression as we've gone along. I think it really is important that we start out with blessed or the poor in spirit until we recognize our brokenness, until we recognize our need for, for Jesus it, it completely changes how we see him. It completely changes how we see one another. And, and so it, it, it eventually causes us to mourn. It eventually causes us to, to look at the oppressed and to look at the marginalized different. It causes us to, it causes us to be at such pain. It causes us to ache for such change that we are hungering and thirsting for righteousness and justice. And it feels like our response to that our response to those, where we're, those situations and those people and those circumstances where we're aching for change, where we're longing to see something happen that bring, brings justice and right-relatedness, uh, we then are ones who will show mercy. And so it feels to me that there maybe is a bit of a progression that I maybe didn't initially see and I maybe didn't initially communicate. But it feels like we're on a bit of a journey here. And so the fifth, the fifth beatitude that we're looking at today is found in Matthew chapter 5, and we're in verse 6, and it's, Blessed are the merciful, for they are shown mercy. They will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. As I've said last week, we talked about, we asked the question, where is it that you're longing for change? Where is it that you are aching to see change? And as you sit with that ache, you sit with that ache long enough, I think that discomfort, the discomfort that you feel is the, is the beginning, or it's right, it's what it means to, to begin to hunger and to thirst for righteousness and for justice, for all things to be made right. So during the week, on, on Thursday night, a few of us were, 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 on, a, were on a Zoom call, and and just touching a wee bit on what we'd, um, what we'd looked at on Sunday past, and, uh, and using that as, as a way to, to challenge one another, how we could pray for one another. And Jackie uh, from Florida, become an incredibly good friend of us, of the church here, um, and others said the same thing. I think it was Paul that said, said, the, said the thing when we asked, where, where, do you, where do you feel pain? Where is it you're aching to see change? And, 
And Jackie and Paul and many others, I think many of us are feeling this, the pain when we see division, the pain when we go on to our social media, the pain when we witness what's going on in, in, in many cities across our world. We see, we see violence breaking out. We see just such division taking place. And that causes pain. That's pain that people are sitting with when they see division. Especially when we see, they see people from um, people that claim to be following Jesus, that have the label of Christian, and the way that sometimes we communicate to each other, the way we can communicate to people of different opinions, it's not good, it's not healthy, and it causes deep pain. Um, there's a there's a show on Netflix, um, Social Dilemma, and I would I would I would encourage you to watch it. It's sort of it's sort of like a sort of like one of these moments that causes you to stop and think, it causes you to take stock on how we view media, and how we engage in our social media. See, there's a there's there's something that takes place, and the the tech guys know more about how to explain this than me. But the reality is, whenever you whenever you are are use your search engine long enough, or when you like things a certain amount of times, our social media, our phones, what's going on that we don't see is actually further entrenching us. We are going, we're having this quarantined experience where we are quarantined in our own silos. We are further entrenched in our own preferences, in our own positions, in our own sides. And it's deeply grieving. It's deeply grieving because there should be a shared story. There should be a shared narrative. Not just for humanity, but especially for those of us that are following Jesus. And so often we're, we're, we're so easily pushed into this us versus them dynamic. We're so easily swayed to, 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 go, to label ourselves a certain way, to put ourselves in a certain category. And it is so destructive. It is so unhelpful. And maybe you think that I'm going off on a tangent here. What's this, got, what's this related to this beatitude? So I think what, what, what reduces people to a label is judgment. And what amazes me about myself is how quickly I am to judge, how I rush to judgment, how addicted I am to judgment. See, the very first sin, if we were to go back if we were to go back right to the right back to the beginning of our the, the Bible, if we go back right back to Genesis, we'll see the first sin that was committed was the, that they that they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we are still eating from that tree. So addicted to judgment are we, to, to being right, and and labeling, and. Um, criticizing, condemning those who are different, who are on the other side. We put people in the category because we rush to judgment. We have to put people in a, label, in a category. We have to give them a certain label. We are so quick, and judgment does that. Judgment reduces people to a label. We're so addicted. I can, I can become so, so addicted to judgment that I don't even realize at times that I'm doing it. And I say all of that because judgment, I am convinced, is the opposite of mercy. Judgment is the opposite of mercy. And so if you're to go and take note, I'd encourage you to take note 
mentally or in a notepad or in your Bible of James chapter 2, verse 13. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is the this is like if anybody was to live this out more perfectly, more beautifully, it was Jesus. Mercy, and I just begin to think of those moments. You begin to think of those moments where where the religious people called out this woman who had been caught in adultery, wanting Jesus to judge her. But because Jesus lived this life of mercy triumphing over judgment, everybody laid down their stones and walked away. It was the mercy of Jesus. It was the kindness of Jesus that brought restoration. It was the kindness and the mercy of Jesus that brought wholeness. And everybody wanted to rush to judgment. Everybody was so addicted to judgment that they wanted to put her in a label, that they wanted to put her in a box. They wanted to condemn and to cast out and to stone and to do whatever it took to shame and to condemn, to judge. But Jesus lived this life of, of trying to reveal, consistently showing that mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, I didn't realize this. I didn't realize this, but there's something that takes place in the brain. There's, we, there, we get a buzz, all of us, everyone feeds off a, the buzz of being right. There's something that takes place in our brains. Maybe some of us that know what that's like, uh, some of us that are married maybe know what that's like. Sometimes the buzz I feel whenever I, for the first time in a long time, I'm right. And there's a buzz that I feel that, that, that I, <laughs> like you don't want to feel it. It's just this natural thing that takes place neurologically. Something happens and you feed off the buzz of being right. This feeling of feeling superior in comparison to other people. This feeling of feeling better. There's something that takes place in a certain part of our brain, and we, f- we feed off that. The problem with that is that it makes engaging with people that think differently, it means engaging with those of us that, are in the, that seem to be on the polar opposite side of us, of how we think, of what we believe, of what we are convicted by. It makes engaging and listening and loving those on the other side really difficult. The Oxford Dictionary it gives us this definition for mercy, compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone when it, it, it is within one's power to punish or harm. Compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone when it is within one's power to punish or harm. It's the quality of self-giving love. It's the quality of gracious deeds done for others. And um, it feels like I'm, I'm on commission for Netflix now, but there, Puma directed me to a show on Netflix last night, The Kindness Diaries. And each episode is 20, 25 minutes, and it is absolutely stunning. It is beautiful, isn't it, Puma? Like, and, and so as, as I'm thinking through this morning of some of what I want to say, like you'll see it perfectly illustrated in this uh, series on Netflix, The Kindness Diaries. The quality of self-giving love, the quality of gracious 
deeds done for others. And of all the things I think would be really helpful for us, really healthy for us to watch, there's a lot of rubbish on, uh, on Netflix. So we'll make sure that I'm balancing this out. There's a lot of rubbish in Netflix. There's a lot of rubbish that we can consume ourselves or consume our weekends or evenings with. Um, so if you're going to watch something, watch this. I think it'll be really helpful for us as we are engaging with what we're talking about here this morning. There's this quote uh, that I've heard. I've heard it's been um, delivered in so many different ways. We don't even know. I don't think we even know how far back it goes. Um, don't even know who was the one that that it was or that originally said it. But the idea is that we be kind, be kind to everyone, because everyone you meet is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. And again, I was just, just reminded of that quote as I watched this program yesterday. This guy just committed to being kind, experiencing kindness. At times being kind without realizing that someone is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. And so whenever we are, whenever our, it feels like our default can be so, because of the buzz that we feel, we're addicted to judgment. We are so quick to rush to judgment. But what would it be like to pause for a moment and acknowledge that, what would it be like to be kind here? Because although I'm, this is the behaviors that I'm seeing, although I'm witnessing something here that is, that is riling me up the wrong way, the truth is that everyone is fighting a battle that we know nothing about. And so in this world of complete polar opposites, we want to be put into a category, are you liberal or are you conservative? Are you Protestant or are you Catholic? Are you Democrat or Republican for the American audience? Are you right wing or left wing? In this, in this deeply entrenched society that we increasingly find ourselves in, this desperation to put people in a certain category or in a certain box, can we model a third way? Can we, as the people of Jesus, live in a life pursuing the Beatitudes, taking seriously the radical sermon that Jesus preached here, the Sermon on the Mount? Can we model a third way? As things seem to be increasingly dark, can we, as the light on the hill, shine even brighter? The re- that's, that's just fact, isn't it? Like the darker time gets and we're coming into a season just physically where it's getting darker and the light shines brighter and that's that's the question that's the call for us that's the question i'm asking can we model a third way when things get increasingly dark can our light shine that bit brighter he's called us a few verses on into this sermon we'll read it we'll see it you are a light the light of the world you're a light on a hill you're the salt of the earth can we model a third way? Whenever people are pushing us to behave this way, if you're on this side, behave this way, if you're on that side. Believe this, think this, if you're on that side. Demonize, polarize those that think differently on the other. Can we model a third way? Can we do everything in love? Can we think everything in love? And I'm, I know, like I, I feel like there are... Uh, of moments, not always, but moments that I'm relatively self-aware. And I know that there's times that I'll enter into a conversation, I'll enter into a debate, I'll enter into an argument, 
but my intention is to win it. My intention is to prove my point. My intention is to bring people over onto my side of thinking. But if I do all of that without love, I'm just a clanging symbol. If I do all of that without love being my motivation, without doing everything and thinking everything in love, to win the argument or to prove a point without love, I'm just making worthless, pointless noise. I'm a noisy gong, clanging symbol, whatever it is that Paul says. Worthless, pointless, without love. And so I'm wondering, I'm asking the question in this world that is full of judgment, world that is full of judgment, can we be a people of mercy? Is it possible for us to model a third way? Is it possible for us to live a life imitating Jesus where mercy triumphs over judgment? Not 100% sure if this story will land, if it will be helpful, but I, I, I can't help but be reminded of uh, a guy um, who was martyred in the 15, 1539 or 1569, Dirk Willems. Dirk Willems was from the Anabaptist tradition, which is an, another conversation I'd love to have on a different day. But Dirk Willems had been, he'd been baptized as a young man. And what that did, it, it meant that as the Anabaptists trying to model a third way, modeling a third way in, this, in the 16th century, where there, was, where there would be no violence, enemy love, sacrificial love, demonstrating the kingdom in the most beautiful ways. They were trying to model this third way. And either side, both sides of the argument were trying to, were fighting and division all over the place. And because Dirk Willems was, was not baptized as an infant and decided to be baptized as a young man, he ended up, he ended up in prison. He ended up being removed from the church, subsequently ended up in prison. And he escaped from prison. I don't know how he did it, but he tied a load of rags together and he escaped from, from, a, from, it was a palace actually that had been turned into a prison. And he escaped. He got away and he escaped from the prison and was running, a, he got on from the prison, he got onto this frozen moat and began to run. There was a prison guard that, that watched it happen and wit, witnessed him coming down and, and made chase, began to run after this guy pursuing Dirk Willems. And they were running across the ice and the, and the prison guard, he, was, he, he broke the ice and he fell and he was, a, he was, he was facing certain death. He was f- facing certain death and Dirk Willems was left to the choice. What does he do in this moment? The one that imprisoned him, the one that was keeping him guard. What was he to do? And Dirk Willems turned back. He turned back and he saved the life of the prison guard. He saved the life of the enemy that was pursuing him. And he rescued him. He pulled him to freedom. And he ended up being recaptured. And because he had escaped, his punishment was that he was burnt at the stake. And so his prisoner, the guy that was pursuing him, you wonder, like, well, what, what, what will happen? But he was recaptured and he was brought back. Because these guys were living a life pursuing the ways of Jesus that mercy triumphed over judgment. As you would turn back and see, this is, this, is, this is unfair. This is my enemy. 
This is the one who is on the polar opposite side of me. I, I, am, I am in my right, surely, to leave him to his death. And he refused because he knew the ways of Jesus was that mercy triumphed over judgment. And he ended up losing his life. He ended up losing his life for his faith. His faith in the, in the one that he was fully pursuing and the one he was fully trying to live his life imitating. As I, begin, as I wrap up here, the, I come back to that verse that we looked at a few weeks ago, where Paul said to Timothy, I, I am the worst of all sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save all, and I am the chief. I'm the chief of all sinners. I'm the worst of all. And so I'm saying this, that we need, I still think we need to reconcile ourselves to that sort of thinking. And please not to shame, not to condemn self, but to acknowledge that we are in no position to ever look down on anyone. We are in a position where we can never allow our judgment of someone to elevate just their pure worth and value as, as a person. We can never allow our judgment of what we see in the surface or what we've already committed to labeling them or categorizing them. We cannot allow that to elevate over their value and worth as a human made in the image of the Lord. We're in no position, and so that's, that's why I bring us back to that verse. Please not to shame or not to condemn, because I think some of, some of us, potentially even in this room, need to show mercy to yourself. Some of us need to, to be kinder to self. But as we wrestle with what Paul's saying here, we acknowledge that, that we are broken. That when it comes to sin, that we, as we look and we compare ourselves to others, well, I'm, I'm the worst. I'm the chief. And it puts me in that place where I'm in no position to ever look down on someone else. We'll probably go on to look at this, I think, in a number of weeks or months when, 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 Jesus, when Jesus comes back to this in Matthew chapter 7. He says, don't judge. Don't judge because with the measure that you judge, that's how you're going to be judged in return. You've got so, you've got so used to looking at the, that the, the, what's going on in other people's lives, comparing yourselves to other people's, and the truth is, that that's a speck compared to the log that is in your own. We go around addicted to judgment, rushing to judgment, seeing the specks, the little specks that are going on in the, on other people's lives without being aware that there's a log in our own. We're in no position to ever look down on someone else. And actually, I say all of that, this idea of sin, and maybe we don't talk about it enough, because the truth is that once you know how much mercy you have received, you will inevitably give it away. There's this cycle that we will enter into, I think. And I think it's this cycle that Jesus talks about. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. There's this cycle, I think, that we get into. And once you, once you know how much mercy you've received, you will inevitably give mercy away. You will see things differently. You will see people differently. You will engage with circumstances differently when you have been on the receiving end of mercy.
when you are fully conscious, fully aware of how much mercy you've received, you will see things, you will see people differently. And so the question again I'm asking, what, is, what cycle, what is the cycle that we are going to get in? Because I think we are going to be, mercy is the opposite of judgment, and we are going to end up in one of the two cycles. We're going to end up in the, in the cycle of mercy, which leads to mercy, which leads to mercy, which leads to mercy. Or we're going to end up in the cycle of judgment. Judgment, which leads to judgment, which leads to judgment. The measure of judgment that you're going to be willing to, to place on other people, that is the measure of judgment that you're going to receive. That's so just a cycle that you're going to get into. So what cycle? What is the cycle that you are going to get in? Pope Francis said this a few years back, and I just love it. God's mercy can make even the driest land become a garden, and his mercy can restore life to dry bones. I love that, and, if, and again, I'm going back to this, this, to watching this take place actually in the in the series that uh, the kindness diaries. Just watching the dry land become a garden. You're watching dry bones coming back to life. It's the mercy and it's kindness that does that. And so, as I finish, I'm saying, what what would it be like? What would it be like if our first if our first response was not to say a category? was not to see a label, was not to reduce people to a label, was not to immediately dismiss those that we don't agree with. What if we recognize and acknowledged based on the, on, on the illustration of the life of Jesus that our job was to show unexpected kindness? Because that's what, that's what showing mercy does, is to show kindness that is unexpected. Whenever you have the chance to, to punish or to harm, as if you're going to go with the Oxford Dictionary version, when you have the chance, actually, to, to do what Derek Will, Willems did, would have been to let that man go to his death. When you have the chance to punish him for injustice, when you have the chance to do that, but you, de- but you decide to show compassion and forgiveness and turn back. Our job is to show unexpected kindness. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Father, uh, God, I feel the, the deep challenge of this. Um, I feel the weight of this more than I felt of anything else that we've talked about so far. As Holy Spirit, as we've, we've been doing all morning, just longing for you to come and enlighten and empower and set free and deliver and so as we, as we just approach the end of our time together, God, we, and as we step into our, our realities, our, our day-to-day engaging with people and media and news and um, Facebook and Twitter, and, it, and God, we're just, people are just longing for us to take a side. People for, are longing for us just to polarize us in one position, in one place. And so today, God, I'm, I'm wanting to say, God, I'm wanting to commit it to myself. That can, I'm wanting to ask the question, can I model a third way? Will I model a third way? Will I refuse to label people before I've heard them? Will I f- refuse to judge before I've, I've listened? And God, I just pray you forgive me for, for my addiction to judgment. With my speed at which I rush into it, 
And God, we just to say that we, we, we recognize that, uh, that judgment is the opposite of mercy. And we see your, this kingdom describing language once again today. We see fully the illustration of the life of Jesus on display. And Jesus, we want to be more like you. Would you transform us by the renewing of our minds? God, would you cause us to be people that would just fully embrace, fully aware, fully conscious of how much mercy we have received? Forgive us for the times we think we've earned it. Forgive us for the times we think we've done enough to justify self, God. God, I really don't want to come to the end of this and feel like there's that I'm casting shame or condemnation on people. God, please, please don't let that be the case. Please, God, I just allow there to be such a, a challenge and a longing and a desperation to be conformed into your likeness. With ever-increasing glory transformed into the likeness of Jesus. So, Father, we um, just commit ourselves to you. We thank you for the joy it is to to be known by you, to be loved by you. And God, as we step out of this place today, we, we, we go wanting to offer that same type of love and kindness and mercy for your name's sake. And in Jesus' name we're praying. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Uh, We'd love if you're able to continue to, to give to the work of the Lord. We believe that he's called us here. We believe he's called us here to this place. We believe he's called us to partner with people across the world, and it's our joy to do that. And so if you're able to, to give, there's the opportunity to do that. Um, but yeah, have a, have a great day. Enjoy the rest of your, your week. All right? Bless you all.